and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How are you? Um, I know I normally ask how you doing, but lately I, f- I just want to know how you are. I'm okay. All right. I'm, I'm a bit busy at work. Um, but, you know, sometimes when I got a lot of work in front of me and I need to plow through it, I'll just listen to some podcasts. All right. Let me tell you two things, two tips, pro tips for those of you at home at or at work listening to podcasts. I'm going to give you a podcast you should listen to, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you a way to listen to them. Okay. Obviously, you should listen to Battleship Pretension and more than one lesson and previously on. Um, you know, that, go, that goes without saying. But uh, what you should also do is listen to What the Fuck Are You Watching? Or mm-hmm. if you're searching in iTunes, WTF Are You Watching? Right. iTunes doesn't truck with the F word in it their, uh, in, in their uh, descriptions. Uh, and it, it is uh, from if you read if you read the uh, battleshipretention.com website and the reviews you'll or, or if you read other things such as Nerdist um, mm-hmm. you might recognize the name Kyle Anderson if you have just a passing interest in Doctor Who it's just a matter of time Until you, before you will I think maybe even meet Kyle Anderson right yeah he's kind of a uh, yeah he's a fanatic um, uh, you know what I learned from my other podcast, by the way? What's that? Um, when referring to things like the different Doctor Whos uh, and Torchwood and the whole world of Doctor Who. I didn't even know Torchwood was a part of that world. Yeah. Okay. Torchwood is an anagram of Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> Whoa. But um, You've blown my mind. Refer- <laughs> referring to it as the Hooniverse, not, not uh, looked on kindly by, oh, really? by uh, Whovians. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the right thing either. It's like in but, the movie Bugsy. If you called Ben Siegel Bugsy, oh, right. he'd get very upset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, I said, I said uh, the Hooniverse on, or, or Dr. Hooniverse or whatever on, my, on the other podcast, and I was like, oh, that's, how come I never heard that before? That's so perfect. And then like, I got an email like, yeah, we don't say that. <laughs> <sighs> did, you, did you get it from Kyle? No, or no. From, I don't think, I don't okay. think Kyle listens to it. Because, look... We've all got our thing. Uh-huh. Hooniverse works so well. Yeah. That come on, people. Like, you are just being jerks when you're saying we don't say that. It's just <laughs> like, right. well, you should. That's what you should say. And you know what? Maybe there are plenty of fans out there who do say that, and I just got a particularly prickly fan yeah. email. Who's trying to force this right. away because he But never it's like liked the it. Star Trek fans who say that, like, real Star Trek fans don't call themselves Trekkies, they're Trekkers. Oh, okay. And that, that just bothers me. I mean, I, that I kind of understand, though, because at this point, Trekkie does have a connotation. Right. But I say, you know, if, if uh, the nerd and geek community took back those words, mm-hmm. and, and I think in a uh, pretty definitive way, you could take back Trekkie. It's like Frisco. People from San Francisco don't but, like when you say Frisco, yeah, which is it, understandable to a certain extent. I don't call a city by a nickname unless I have lived there. Have I said my Louisville thing? Well, well, that's not a nickname, though. They just pronounce it Louisville. They pronounce it incorrectly. Uh, here's here's the no, thing. No, it's an accent. It's a dialect. I, here's the thing, though. I've known people who've lived in Louisville, and I'm even being generous and not saying Louisville. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've known people from there, and they don't really have an accent. But I, and I've said, oh, you've, you know, you're from Louisville. And he goes, oh, we say Louisville. 
it was like, but you don't say it. Like, you don't have that accent. That's just how you say it, that, how you're preferring to say it. You're uh, now forcing yourself to say it like that. And I remember it just... But that's what it's called to, to locals. It sounds like they just don't want to be bothered with vowels. Just, ooh, let's just see if we can say it without... Just see if we can fit it into one syllable. Ooh. But if you... I, I, to me, it, that's what it's called by the locals, and that, that makes sense, you know? I mean, we... Did you ever, before you lived in, I guess you lived in California as a, as a youngin, yeah. but like the idea of referring to a freeway with a the before the number was like crazy to me. Mm. And I moved here and now I, that's what I do. And I even slip, I slip up and I do it when I go home. I, you know, yeah. uh, it's just a part of the character of the place. But still, I don't call a city by a nickname unless I am like a member of that city. I so like... If you move to New Orleans or New Orleans, would you say Nolens? Uh, I don't know that they say Nolens. Oh, okay. They say New Orleans. Okay. Or Nola, I guess. They okay. Say. Um, and I think I have slipped up and said Nola a couple times mm. because I feel such such a kinship after the <laughs> twelve days <laughs> I spent there over the course of two years. Anyway, um, we are far afield. Yeah. Sorry about that. That Louisville thing bothers me. Yeah. But uh, like. Um, when Nelly became was, was was popular from St. Louis, you know, and he called it the, like the STL or the Lou, and now that's not something that I ever said growing up, um, and I don't now. Mm-hmm. But hearing people like I guess who got into Nelly from other cities refer to like St. Louis as the Lou or STL kind of bugged me. It's like no, that's not yours to shorten. STL is an airport code, correct? Uh, that is the airport code, yeah. Okay. And then the loo is unfortunate, because is that not the uh, British term for the bathroom? Yeah, it is. But this is the loo, L-O-U. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's miles apart. Miles uh, apart. Fair enough. Okay, let's say you're at uh, let's say you're at work listening to your headphones right now, and um, you are sick to death of this discussion. Oh, undoubtedly bashing your head <laughs> against the wall. Why don't you flip on over, flip the <laughs> podcast dial on over to what the fuck are you watching? It's Kyle and Lincoln. They watch shitty movies and uh, they talk about them at length. They at will length. pick one movie, one and shitty movie per episode. It's they've been saying shitty movies, but from time to time, it will be a movie that is just crazy. Uh-huh. It's not necessarily bad. It's just uh, how on earth would anybody like they watch, for example, the. Uh, Oh man, uh, the Jan Svankmeyer film Alice, oh, I which see I enjoy a great yeah. deal. Well, hang on, maybe that's not the word for it, but I appreciate. <laughs> I, think it's, I think Alice I think is really good. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And so, it's did you not, see Little Otik? I did not, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's it's pretty good. It's a, it's a little over long, but it's good. Is that Svankmeyer? Yeah, but it's like over two hours. That, yeah, that that's a little of, long for yeah. him. I think he works best because uh, Alice is like, like what eighty eighty five minutes or something. Maybe no, eighty at the most. I think, yeah. but um. I think he works best in the in the short form yeah. personally, but um, but yeah, and so but they will pick movies that are just kind of unusual or just straight up shitty. They will do that as well, yeah. and they will discuss it for one uh, for one episode. Well, I was recently on the show talking about the Bob Balaban film, which is fun to say, uh, Parents, starring uh, Randy Quaid. This is not to be clear to the listener at home. This is not a Bob Balaban vehicle. No, it isn't. He is the he, he is the he helmed. He the helmed film. it. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk in variety. <laughs> um, I've told you I need to tell Kyle and Lincoln. I want to be on there to discuss two movies, both mm-hmm. of which I think would be difficult to find on DVD. Okay, I think they're on out of print VHS. 
Uh, one is a Dutch horror film called The Lift. Okay. That I know you have you wait have you actually actually seen it? No, you I, just, I you watched it with somebody else. The podcast but I believe I rented it for you when I worked at Video Update. Yes, and on I watched VHS. it with else, and uh, it's uh, about an elevator that eats people. It's an evil elevator, obviously, and it eats people. Yeah, and um, I know we talked about this a podcast before, but I don't think since early like, early, early on, like yeah. probably not even available anymore. Yeah, um, the cover art <laughs> is a it's like a. Uh, a drawing, I guess, as it's, as it's, so often happened in the in the eighties with yeah. uh, horror movies and otherwise. Yeah, like, a hand drawn cover was not uncommon. Yeah, um, I mean it's well drawn. It's mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's and it's a guy. <laughs> your, your your perspective, I guess, is from the hallway, and the elevator doors are closed and they're closed on the guy's head, mm-hmm. and so you don't really see his head. You just see his hands like trying to pray, pry the um, uh, elevator doors apart. And the tagline of the film uh, <laughs> along the bottom of the VHS is, and I quote, take the stairs, take the stairs, for God's sake, take the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And the movie kind of lives up to that, to the potential, I think. It's, I mean, what is the main character's name? It's Adelar. Yeah. And throughout the, phone, throughout the film, when he answers the phone, he says, Adelar. <laughs> and my friend Keith and I, who, who watched the we watched it together now this is before cell phones like we didn't have caller id right we would both if our phone rang in our dorm room answer the phone at our on the off chance that it was one of the, the other person calling just to make them laugh <laughs> which more more often more often than not required you to explain like why you were saying at into the phone so that's one that's the so bad it's good movie that i want to watch on there the other crazy movie that i want to watch on there is and now I'm forgetting the direction. Philip Ridley, I think. Okay. The the reflecting skin. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the peanut butter solution. Oh, the peanut butter solution. That would be a great one. That's a yeah. that's a good one. Um, I think easier to find. I think there is a DVD maybe of the peanut oh, butter I don't, solution. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I think there's a DVD of the fre- reflecting skin, but not in this region. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reflecting skin is. Uh, I'm sure a number of you have seen it, but it's uh, about a. Uh, boy whose older brother comes home from uh world war ii and starts dating a widow i guess who lives down the road in this like 50s small town um and the boy is convinced that the widow is a vampire Mm -hmm. also there's a group of greasers going around abducting and presumably killing children the boy's father, who is a convicted child molester, is accused of the crime and then commits suicide himself by lighting himself on fire in front of his house. Oh, man. There's a lot of spoilers here, David. And also, the boy befriends, I guess, a, I guess, mummified, petrified, uh, aborted fetus that oh. he finds in a, in a barn and is convinced is an angel of some sort. And he steals it from this barn and keeps it in a shoebox under his bed and takes it out at night and talks to it. Man, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Seek this movie out. Uh, it, it is, because I mean, it's out of print on VHS. Um, and I, I, like I said, I think there's a, there's a, like a Region 2 DVD. So it's uh, movies like this, although not these, of course, uh, specifically. Right, I hope they're saving these for me. Yeah, hold, hold off on that. But uh, movies like these are, are the movies that uh, they will discuss on uh, What the Fuck Are You Watching? You can find a link to it on the Battleship Pretension website, which has been uh, uh, reordered a little bit. Uh, as as uh, we discussed uh, a week or two ago, uh, the forum is uh, no, uh, no more. 
Uh, it has been replaced with the list. Uh, yeah, you can look at our, our so you can user-generated lists. Of uh, top 100 characters, top 100 movies, and top 100 directors. You so you can check that out. And then uh, under the podcasts, it is now plural, uh, you get regular old Battleship Pretension, old yeah. boring Battleship Pretension. Yeah. And, uh, and now what the fuck are you watching? Yeah, so. and possibly some more to come. Yes. Um, if we can talk some people into it. So that's what you should be listening to besides Battleship Pretension. The way you should be listening to it is through your tweakedaudio.com earbuds, mm-hmm. which you... Um, now, if you're just like a regular old person, like nothing special at all, you go to tweakedaudio.com and you pick out these awesome earbuds, yeah. um, uh, which are professional level quality earbuds at an affordable price, um, and you, you have them sent to you. And that's what a regular, normal, boring old person does. Right. If you're cool... You go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. That way, you get a third off. And you don't have to pay shipping. They will, they will ship it to you. Yes. You just have to pay them. To do don't so. worry. So you get a third off of your order. The free shipping thing might be true of the boring version as well. You never um, know. I don't, but, yeah. I don't even bother with that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not boring. Yes. Um, well, that... I'm sure whoever's listening to this would beg to differ. <laughs> you know the, the the Slap Chop ad, you know, where he says, like, stop eating boring tuna, stop having a boring life? Yeah. <laughs> um, a few, maybe a month ago, my girlfriend texted me, like, I was on my way home from work. She was like, uh, she was like, uh, I got something in the mail today that I ordered, and I was like, what'd you get? And she was like, well, here's a hint. We're about to stop having boring lives. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? The Slap Chop is awesome. It looks awesome. It's in the really end. helpful. Uh, the, the the blade. They're not even really blades. It's just pieces of metal. Yeah. Not really good enough for mushrooms. I've found mushrooms tend to get caught in the mechanism. I like how in the midst of the ad part, oh, we're done with up, the ad part. Oh, we're done with my ad part. You're done with yeah, yeah. But uh, we let's just throw in other things. I am a big fan of grape. Uh, Propel Zero. It's all I drink these days. And I've got here um, a little uh, bag of the Trader Joe's dried fruit baby sweet pineapple, unsweetened and unsulfured. I didn't know that was a risk. <laughs> okay, but now as far as uh, as far as real ads, uh, it's important that you know about Wonder Mill Films. Here's why: Wonder Mill Films needs your help to get their smart and acclaimed genre movies onto. You're their, you're their only hope. You're their only hope, as far as I can tell, uh, to help get their smart and acclaimed genre movies onto Netflix, Hulu, and iTunes. From May 25th to June 23rd, the Southern indie filmmakers are raising funds via Kickstarter to gain wider exposure for their sci-fi adventure, A Genesis Found, and their noir thriller, The Nocturnal Third. The films have screened at universities across the Southeast and have been reviewed by Film Threat, Man I Love Films, and us. At Battleship Retention. Yeah. Uh, to help get Wonder Mill's southern genre films from the south to your couch, visit the, the nocturnalthird.com or battleshipretention.com and click on the banner ad or the skyscraper ad, as I like to call it. Yeah. Or as it the, is called. It's on the right side. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so help them out. They're, uh, you know, they, they're a good little... Uh, Good little production company in the mm-hmm. south, and they're trying to, do, trying to put out good work, and so uh, help them out uh, however you can. Every little bit helps. All right. Um, now, uh, go ahead. Okay. Maybe we cut this out. I don't know. Should we maybe save the, uh, since we're pretty far in, do we save the pre-show, the, the top of the show topic 
for the no, next one? No, this will be a real quick thing. Okay. That I just want to because I wanted I wanted to admit, talk about it this week. Okay. Um, because of the time the release of the movie that I'm I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, by the time you're hearing this, um, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, directed by Rupert Sander Sanders, um, has been out for a few days. But uh, as of this recording, it has yet to open. I guess it'll open. I guess in three hours at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it last night and I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a minus, um, a minus really. I didn't yeah. even know is that. Okay. Um, Oh, and now I already have a top of the show to- topic for the next episode. All right. All right. Um, we're all set. Here. I'm very excited. And so I, I really, really liked it. Um, I felt I had a, I had a fun time watching it. It was, uh, it had a lot of, grandeur as well as heft uh to it at least um thematically the minus comes from some of the performances um uh lacking but some of the other performances are really fantastic Mm -hmm. chris hemsworth i don't know i need to learn my lesson and stop underestimating this guy Mm -hmm. just because he looks like he's not going to be a good actor doesn't mean he's not a good actor because he's been good in everything i've seen so far yeah um anyway um Anyway, I really liked Snow White and the Huntsman, and my girlfriend, whom I with whom I saw it, um, also quite liked it. I don't think she's as as over the moon uh, as I as I am about it, but uh, um, I mean, she rarely is. Like, I tend to I tend to hate movies more than movies that she doesn't like, and I tend to love movies more than movies that she likes. Okay, that's just who I am. Uh, anyway, but. As we've talked about before, in fact, I think as recently as maybe last week or two weeks ago, I can't remember, um, I don't tend to read a lot of reviews before I see a movie. Mm-hmm. And especially, a, you know, a major release, seeing it before it's open, there aren't a lot of reviews out there to see. You know, this isn't like something that played at festivals and has had a platform release, you know. There's not a lot out there to read, you know, two days before the movie opens. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Uh, right. Okay. Um, and so... I don't actually know at this point. I mean, I'm getting an idea because I've looked at some reviews today, but I didn't know after 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 seeing the movie and and really enjoying it. I didn't know what the consensus was going to be. All I had was an idea of what the consensus was going was going to be uh, based on such things as how I thought I might feel feel about the film before I watched it. Right. Uh, which I, I address um, that in my review, which you can read at battleshippretension.com if you've got some time, because I wrote 1,300 words, which is, I'd say, almost twice what I usually write. I usually write seven to eight hundred. Yeah, you usually skimp on the on the words, but this one, I th- I feel like you finally let yourself go. Is that what you think it is? No. I think uh, <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Yeah, I, th- I think them. I think I, I like to keep them nice and readable on a you know while your while your boss isn't looking over your shoulder at work. That's that's who I write my reviews for. I do think the po- I think uh, your level of passion for a film, positive or negative, usually corresponds with how many words, which I'd say is similar to uh, to me. If yeah. I hate a movie, like, say, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, I'll spend about 1,800 words on that. Sure, why not? <laughs> right, but if something's just, like, in the middle, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, how do yeah, I... Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I wanted to ask you, Tyler, and maybe put it out to the listeners, um, do you ever find yourself, like, having that argument with yourself, like, when you've seen a movie either... For us, we sometimes get to see stuff before it's opened, but uh, a lot of times we see stuff opening weekend. Before right. there is a consensus that you know, do you find yourself 
having a fight with the imagined consensus. Yes. Uh, why do we do that? Like, why do I already, I, like, I, like on the drive home last night, I'm like practically arguing with my girlfriend who liked Snow White and the Huntsman mm-hmm. because I'm like preparing myself for having arguments that I don't even know if I'm going to have. Nobody wants to, here's the thing. Nobody wants to be that one critic that didn't like, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, there are plenty of, of critics that didn't like it, but nobody, nobody wants to be seen as behind the times or stodgy or, or the one critic who thought like, oh, this was great. And then, you know, like, for example, uh, say Roger Ebert with the movie Knowing, which he gave four stars and everybody else hated. <laughs> um, because it's just, you know, though, though we have an instinct where we don't, where we kind of want to be away from everybody else. If you're too far away too often, then you either look like, like Armand White, like Armand White, a contrarian. Or you just look like you're completely out of touch with what's with what's coming. Um, the, and again, I've, I think Armin White is contrarian. Is is not necessarily what? Well, he I think is, he, he has he has a contrarian streak, but I think it would be it's it's uh, wrong and, and disrespectful of what he's doing to dismiss him out of hand as a contrarian. Yes, there, there is a consistent philosophy to film criticism in his work. I think his contrarian streak kicks in after the review is written. <laughs> um, I think he writes it. I think he believes it. But he does and have then, a tendency within his reviews. He'll like re- be reviewing one film, and within that review, take pot, pot shots at another film that I don't think is not always warranted. And I, right. I by the way, I'll admit that I do it too. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Um, but uh, I, I can think anyway, of it a couple wrong. of examples for me. One is uh, the movie. In, in this case, movie. Oh yeah, a movie that I like and the movie that I don't. Uh, the Wolfman, Joe Johnson's The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people in the world that actually likes it, and even then, I don't love it. But I remember just liking so much about it. I think mm-hmm. it had done it, 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 it had done such a great job of setting tone, and I liked a lot of the performances, like especially like Anthony Hopkins and Hugo Weaving, who knew the right melodramatic tone to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, I feel like if Dark Shadows had had been more like The Wolfman, it would have been a much better film. Um, it's not perfect by any stretch, but I remember liking it. And I also knew I'm going to be in the minority. And I really, now I probably look like just some idiot who's like, yeah, look at the, look at the werewolf makeup. Man, <laughs> looks really good. I like, the, I like when the, I'm sorry to use the accent. It's, I apologize. Yeah, because you but actually like, like lived around people who have a Southern accent down like, yeah, I mean, I know, I know Missouri isn't the South, but you're, you're not where you went to high school. Not that far from Arkansas. Not far. No. Um, and and I'm sorry. I don't mean to imply that uh, that everybody who sounds like that will think that way. But frankly, I, I've I've been offending a lot of people lately. But um, <laughs> I have but no problem with the southern accent. I think plenty of smart people have the southern. Plenty accent. of smart people have it, and so I don't mean to you know. But I you know I watched Tucker and Dale versus I rewatched Tucker and Dale versus <laughs> Evil the other day, and I understand that people. There is a certain stereotype that uh, that's, that voice makes you dumb. And so I, I go into that voice naturally, and I'm sorry. I recognize that not everybody who sounds like that is dumb, and that's an unfortunate stereotype. But in that moment, I just thought, like, oh, man, I'm going to – and I did a whole episode of More Than One Lesson about it, and uh, uh, people have listened to it, and they've been like, uh, what are you – I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, and the companion th- film was Ravenous, which is an infin- infinitely better film. Right, but not um – not a 
roundly praised film. Yeah, and there's another one where you and I uh, both love it and think yeah. it's great, but we're very much in and the that's, minority, that's which what surprised I want to talk me. Because you talked about uh, you you mentioned the idea of hating a film mm. that you feel like everyone's going to love. I, which I, I don't like to throw that term around. I might have thrown a lot around yeah, a little too. I, I don't know if even that's the way you okay. said it, but the idea of like being like, oh, I can't. Uh, I'm not enjoying this. I think this is really bad and feeling like everyone's going to love this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, and I, I, I shouldn't be, but I'm more at ease with that, with the idea of disliking a film because, because I feel like there's a certain, like, I guess it's easier to seem credible when you're tearing something down, which is not nice, but it's, it's kind of a fact of criticism. If- right. Yes, I would. I would agree with because, that. Because, because, um, in in general, I guess because of the thing you're talking about, liking something that everyone else thinks is stupid, mm-hmm. um, like how much I like signs. Not that everyone thinks signs is stupid, but right. I, I really uh, you know love signs, and I'm uh, I wouldn't say I love. Um, Snow White and the Huntsman. Although I probably have at some point in this episode said it, but I uh, I really like Snow White and the Huntsman. Um, but feeling that strongly about something you feel everyone else is going to dislike, you feel like they can, like you say, just dismiss you as being stupid or yeah. like, uh, or, or like not very discerning. Yeah. Pedestrian. Pedestrian is exactly. And, and that's the thing. I think pedestrian can go the other way as well. Here's the other movie that I wrote an ex- a fairly extended review. I didn't hate it. In fact, in fact, I liked a good portion of it. And, uh, it's a film called mysteries of Lisbon. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, adapted into a film from a six-hour miniseries. The film itself is about four. Yeah. And so when I say I liked a good portion of it, I mean I liked one of the movies yeah. that's in there. That is a half measure of a routine one. <laughs> like, at that point, like, is there a really big gap between the people who would commit to going to a movie theater for four hours and people who would commit to going to a movie theater for six hours? It's like you can only get so wet standing in the rain, right? <laughs> I, I, just, I just feel like you've already got the six-hour crowd if you've got the four-hour crowd. Probably yes, um, but uh, and there wasn't there, there was uh, an intermission, and so um, so that film because and here's the thing I didn't like it. I liked the first half. I thought the first half was great, and then they went flying off in another direction that really took me out of it. And then in the last half hour, they br- they came back to where they where they started. And I was, I was involved again, but, um, it just, it wound up really bothering me. And I, I hope that I conveyed that in my review of the film, Mm -hmm. but there is something about it being foreign and it being four hours long that, that if you have a net, it's like, if you have a negative reaction to a film that is foreign and four hours long, you can talk up and down and you, I, I am still paranoid that you'll get someone who's just like, talk all you want i know that you didn't like it being subtitled and long you know what i mean and fearing that you're pedestrian there as well right. that is, that i think is maybe my biggest fear yeah. is f- seeming pedestrian and seeming very out of out of sorts with the critical but, yeah. mindset in that sense but you can still make arguments against it right whereas it's e- it's easier to make an argument against something um, because like it's always easy to point out like this plot hole. There, there's, you know, there's a right. plot hole here. This 
this bit of dialogue is a cliche and those are more like imp- things that are empirically true. Yeah. Whereas like, um, if I tried to explain, and I think I did a good job in my review of Snow White and the Huntsman, but how it made me feel and how it made me think, yeah, that's it's like purely subjective. Yeah, I, I you mean, it, you could say like, well, it didn't work for me, or I didn't relate to this character. That it, that's a, that's as you know subjective as you can get. Right. And how can you argue for that? You know, it's very, very. It's it goes back to the discussion we were having about Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. You and I, neither of us really liked the movie yeah. that much, but we came away as far as relating to characters and and trying to hypothesize what the themes of the film were Mm -hmm. how the film approached its own character i mean both of us really when it came right down to it cited what we felt and what we thought but we i don't think either of us could point to any one line or a specific moment and in fact there are times when you and i point to the same thing and and use that as proof of our point of view Uh and so it's just like And so, yeah, when you're th- when you're thinking about intangibles like that, oh man, it's because when I I believe my my t- I pride myself on the titles for for these uh, for these reviews, and my review, my title for my uh, Mysteries of Lisbon review was uh, a rich tapestry of I'm sorry, but I've completely lost interest. <laughs> um, and really, when you think about it, I know I don't like to say the word boring, but someone could be like, oh, you were bored by it. That's a little easy. And she's like, no, it's not that I was bored. I just wasn't invested and I wanted to be. Yeah, I think we both have, you and I both have things to get over. I'd say that's about right, yeah. Um, but, uh, well, here's what I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, in, the, in the topic. And it's related, I guess, to, to Snow White and the Huntsman. Um, I found myself leaving the theater thinking, you know, this is a, uh, this is a big movie with action and visual effects and, and uh, a, uh, you know, a pretty decent score by James Newton Howard. Not up to science level, but a pretty decent score. Right. Um, it's very pretty to look at. And um, uh, I, uh, I found myself thinking, I've got a decent-sized HDTV. I've got a Blu-ray player. I've got a little, little sound system there. Mm-hmm. I look forward to this movie coming out on Blu-ray and possibly buying it. Or, or or just renting it from Netflix and watching this movie again, mm-hmm. and this brings us something that you wanted to do a show about, and I think is is worthwhile, which is because we've done a we've done a sort of fun episode a couple years ago about just movies that we think are rewatchable, movies we can watch over and over again. Right? If I'm being generous, I'd say a couple years ago. It might have been in the last six months. I have no idea. No, I feel like we were sitting over there. I know that doesn't matter to the uh, <laughs> home listener, but at some point we changed where in Tyler's apartment we sit when we do this. Yeah. And I feel like we were sitting over there when we did that episode. Okay. Um, uh, over but, there, you mean across the pond? Yes. <laughs> uh, but what I uh, but what you want to talk about is this is more, uh, I guess... Uh, about what makes a film rewatchable, what brings us back. So let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. What do so, you? What, what, did, what did you have to say? So, for Memorial Day, you and I were both at a baseball game, separate baseball games. You were at a Dodgers game. I was at a great Angels game. Yeah, your game went into extra innings, and the Angels won. It did not go into extra innings. Oh. It almost did. Oh, it it uh, there. It was up. It was them against the Yankees. Angels like Yankees were up, Angels were up, and it just kept going back and forth like that. And then it was tied in the uh, bottom of the ninth. And then the first, the first uh, Angel to go out hit a home run. Yeah, and uh, you know fireworks went off, and it was it was really great. It was maybe the, one of the best baseball games, if not the best baseball game I've ever been to. It was really great. And I was um, at the Dodgers game 
which was a good game. I mm-hmm. mean, they they lost, but they lost by one. It came down to like yeah. the last couple of pitches there. But also, it was a Dollar Dodger Dog Day, so I had three Dodger Dogs. Oh, oh, geez, good for you. <laughs> really? Um, what you don't like Dodger Dogs? Not particularly. No. No. I've I mean, had Dodger not like, Dogs, and yeah, yeah, they're not. Those of us like you and me who lived in Chicago, where good hot dogs come from. Damn right. Um, and yes, yes. I've had a hot dog at Nathan's, New York people, and they are good. They are very good. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, you got to go to Chicago. Yeah. That's where the better hot dogs are. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, obviously, Dodger dogs aren't up to that, but it is something iconic about it, and they're only a dollar, and I was hungry. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy peanuts at a... Uh, yeah? The shelled peanuts, I enjoy that. But that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get off on another tangent. What do you do with the shells? I just throw them on the ground. Oh, jeez. That's what you do oh, geez, at a baseball game or at a Lone Star Steakhouse. Actually, I don't think they're allowed to do that anymore. Anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, so as I was watching it, of course, it was just a matter of time before I felt a desire to watch Moneyball, <laughs> um, which is a film that at this point, eh, listeners know that it was my favorite movie of last year. I've seen that movie probably five times. Really? Uh, it's worth noting that uh, my wife and I finished watching it about, oh, 15 minutes before you showed up <laughs> um, because both of us wanted to rewatch it since the baseball game. That's awesome. And, uh, and it got me. So as I was, as I, and I, I texted you this topic while we were at our uh, respective games because I was like, I really want to watch Moneyball. It's like, I've seen it a lot lately. Because it hasn't been out that long, so it has uh-huh. to have been a lot uh, in the last uh, eight months or so. And then it got me thinking about uh, the fact that Jen and I have uh, been rewatching The West Wing. And then I thought about Social Network, and I started thinking about Sorkin in general, mm-hmm. and started thinking like, man, he is rewatchable, yeah, very much so. And then I started thinking, why is he rewatchable? And then I started thinking. Well, what, what makes for something rewatchable? And I, I'm sure that people who, who uh, listen to the episode where we talk about movies that we can watch over and over again will probably wind up talking about some of those. Uh, but I want to get deeper, especially when I started thinking about is rewatchability a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like, are better movies ones that you can watch over and over? Or does that make them somehow worse? Does that make them, I don't know, a little, a little safer like maybe that because you know i don't rewatch something that is emotionally raw mm-hmm. like a like a faces or you know uh you know i, I don't uh secrets and lies uh. you know i i can't rewatch those are wonderful films some of my favorite movies of all time but i can't rewatch them the way i can say a money ball does that mean that money ball is safer does the end safe does safe equal worse I don't know. These are all the. T- these are all. <laughs> this is what was happening in the last couple innings of that <laughs> Angels game until that home run. And I'm like, hey, I'm not paying attention to this topic anymore. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's where this all came from. So well, I I think. Um. I guess I think rewatchability has to do with. Yeah, I don't think. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I haven't said a sentence yet, have I? Uh, You'll get there, buddy. It has to be engaging, and it doesn't have to be not challenging, but it doesn't have to be necessarily challenging. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel like when I watch Ravenous, okay. which 
it came up earlier it came up last week and it was actually the fact that it came up last week that made me go directly home and watch it that night damn right um uh when i watch it it still makes me think about things be it like um you know uh boyd's character and the idea of cowardice but also the the film's um less than subtle themes about uh western expansion and and what you know what the uh what white americans did to native americans you know that's a pretty- and when and when you know that the director and the lead actor are both like vegetarians from a, i believe a moral yeah. standpoint and then you see just the way meat is yeah. shown in the film so like- there's definitely things to think about in it uh but i don't feel myself like almost like doing battle with the film it, right. does that make sense like i feel like yeah. there are some I wish I could think of some good examples of just like really heady films that I really love and think are uh, important, and worthwhile, and. Uh, well, and I'm probably not going to throw in. A, I'll use a more modern film. I'm not. I'm probably not going to throw in Tree of Life casually. Okay. I mean that. See, but I think I could throw that in casually because it's so pretty to look at. I guess so, but that's. A, I mean, that's a heady film. I mean. Hmm. And, but like okay, Belatar, Belatar's stuff. Okay, fair enough. And that's also very pretty, but it's uh, it's not uh, elegaic or elegiac. Sorry, I, I always do that. Okay, but it's elegiac, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because elegy, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I always do that because uh, it's like Gaelic, like speaking Gaelic. Um, I don't think Belatar's films are. Uh, elegiac or like uh uh pasolini another one that uh like i um and and and, and antonioni um mm-hmm. people that i respect but uh and, and i think their films are great mm-hmm. i'm saying i respect them because it sound like i don't think their films are great their films are great they're mm-hmm. great filmmakers but um and there are times when i'm in the mood to rewatch those but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about things that we can watch five times in five months or whatever right. like you have with with moneyball um they are kind of necessarily challenging like they are uh you know daring you to feel a certain way about them you know and does that uh, another my, film i love okay um uh gus van sans jerry i thought that film was amazing i still haven't seen it you I, say you say i will love it and i'm sure yeah, i will it, you would you would really like it um but I, i've only seen it the once and i'll mm-hmm. I, i'm Hopefully someday I'll get around to watching it again, but I don't feel that that pull that at like midnight on a Thursday, like I did with Revenous, that I could right. just throw it in while I'm, you know, and then watch it and then go to bed. Like it's not that kind of film. Yeah, I mean, we were okay in reference to last week's uh, episode. Uh, we were we listened to music from Ravenous, and you immediately wanted to go and watch it. We also yeah. listened to music from. The Verkmeister Harmonies, mm-hmm. filmed by Bellatar. I felt no real desire, <laughs> yeah. though it's a wonderful film, one of my favorites. I felt no real desire to pop it in at midnight, and so because it is something of a, of a challenging film, and there are some films that I, I don't know. My question, I guess, is this: like, is a film that challenges you, like in a real sense, in a sense that like you're not totally comfortable watching it. I mean, I already mentioned uh, Faces. I mean, almost any John Cassavetes film is not necessarily easy to watch. There are yeah. some that are a little easier than others. But he, even something like Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which is pretty accessible, is not always easy to watch. There are moments of extreme discomfort. And so, like, are those somehow 
more genuine? Are they more are they more legit as a, as a so. result of that? Uh, I don't think so. I think um, um, that that's that's just one choice, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's any more or less legitimate. You know, okay. I um, uh, I, I was talking recently because we got a new Wes Anderson film out. How much I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm-hmm. and that's a uh, you know a pretty uh, you know, it's aimed at a younger audience. It's not. It's it's not uh, Red Desert. It, it's it's um. It's it's made by by a studio for a younger audience. It's got uh, animals and fun music, and and it's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. That but that doesn't make it any less a work of art than Red Desert. Okay, so that that leads to. Uh another question because i find myself instinctively even though i think even though i know this is wrong like what i just said this idea that some movies that are more challenging and and a little harder to revisit casually um and i guess maybe it's that emphasis on on casualness that's that's right um maybe it's that emphasis on casualness that like you know the one of maybe not one of the theories of art, but you know, art is often, whether it be movies or whatever, somebody's interpretation of the world. And anytime you you see something from another person's point of view, it will probably challenge yours to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you find yourself returning to the thing that doesn't necessarily challenge you in a heavy way and you just do it because like, well, I want to watch something and this probably isn't going to challenge me because I'm not really, I'm too tired. It's the end of a day, uh, end of a long day. You know, does that does that speak ill of us as film watchers? Like, should we force ourselves to wa- to rewatch something that we know is something challenging, and maybe we'll get more out of it? Like, is rewatchability? I mean, I, I, okay, so Die, Die Hard is the movie that you've probably seen more than any other, right? Almost certainly. And yeah. mine is Jaws. Mm-hmm. My guess is, if you were to talk to any film person. What film have you seen more than any others? They would pick something that is a bit more yeah. l- widely accessible. It's not a, 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 a Hassard Balthazar. <laughs> That's not, it's not the one that people have watched a hundred times. And so does that... And that's the thing. I, I'm not leading us towards any particular conclusion because I don't know. This actually... This is, this is kind of... These are the questions I've been asking myself. Does that... Is that really just the film critic equivalent of comfort food? You know, I mean, you talk to like you talk to uh, not, not the people, not the people like, oh, I'm going to eat this thing that I absolutely hate all the time. But there's the idea of like, eat your vegetables. I don't like vegetables. I know, but it's good for you. And if you as opposed to, well, I want to eat this chocolate. But if you eat that too often, even like, you know, what to expect, you know, you like it already. If you return to it too often, then you will become big and slovenly and uh, just a, <laughs> but, uh, a, a bad person as, as people in Southern California will gladly tell you. But I, I mean, I feel like we're getting uh, away from what I want to, the point I want to make. These movies that are um, less rewatchable, I still love them. Mm-hmm. I still like them. Just yeah. like I like vegetables for the most part. There's a few in there. <laughs> Actually, I guess I like vegetables. I don't like eggplant. It's weirdly like slimy. I don't like it. Okay. I don't think I've ever had it. 
Yeah. It doesn't seem like my kind of thing. No, yeah, you can you can steer clear. Um, <laughs> what else do I like? I like olives. Okay. I like olive oil. Yeah, I like olive oil, too. And I had this uh, green olive hummus at the Stone Brewing uh, Company in Escondido at their awesome restaurant uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It was really good. Maybe I'm coming around on olives. Okay. I put some, put one in my martini and start with there. Start there. Okay. Um. Anyway, what? What? Uh, never mind. Uh, I know what you don't like, which is everything. Um. It's not true. I like a uh, grape propel. Grape propel zero. Propel zero. Um. So yeah, I don't want to because there was that. Uh, there was an article a while ago. I forgot the guy's name about uh, how he's no no longer doesn't want to watch the eat your vegetables movies anymore oh that's um, right yeah that was a big deal yeah um not to me i dismiss it pshaw <laughs> i dismiss it out of hand i poo poo it um anyway uh i i uh i i like these but j- just because i don't want to watch them at at midnight before i go to sleep when you know my brain might be a little tired right um, doesn't mean that they're any better or that I like them any less. There's just certain things that are by their n- nature, you know, uh, rewatchable. And my que- and and I absolutely agree with you. I've seen my second favorite movie of all time many many more times than my first. My first Citizen Kane. My second is Jaws. Mm-hmm. And then number three is Twelve Angry Men, which is gaining on Jaws. By the way, like I love that film. Mm. But. And that's the thing. We'll we'll get back to the, just the the nature of rewatchability in a moment. But uh, but I do I do want to explore something even deeper about rewatchability from the point of view of a, of a film critic and, and from an academic. Because last week we uh, we talked, and I was very passionate about uh, <laughs> about Kevin Smith's general uh, anti intellectualism and anti critical thinking and anti-academic attitude uh towards film and perhaps i was a little too uh overzealous about that but it was something i was passionate about no you weren't okay thank you i appreciate that but um but it got me thinking like okay well if this is something if i'm gonna get mad at him for being upset about uh, an intellectual attitude and then there are movies that i will throw in easily because i do not feel even though the movie is good and smart, I kind of know what to expect and I can throw it in much more casually. Really, I'm, I'm throwing it in. You know, we mentioned like the midnight movie that you'll throw in at the end of a long day. How is that any different than when I, I wish I could say when I was younger, but I probably still do it now. When I look at people who say like, I don't want to have to think when I watch a movie. I just want to be entertained. It would appear like I look down on that, on that attitude sometimes, but it would appear that depending on the time of day, I have that attitude myself. Uh, Hey, I think it's okay to have that attitude sometime or to not really feel like doing a whole lot of mental strain at sometimes as long as that's not your, guiding philosophy of film i think that and i again i don't if that is your guiding philosophy of film watching that's i guess that's fine with me i mean i i I don't i don't think it's the most rewarding but i can't really fault you for it just don't judge me for the way i i I watch movies but anyway um but also i don't think you're not thinking i don't know i watched the last time no not the last time the second time i've seen all of the west wing zorkin uh, I've never seen any of the non-Sorkin ones. You are missing out. But I've seen it, I've seen the the uh, first four seasons of The West Wing in their entirety. I've seen it three times all the way through, mm-hmm. and then I, there are plenty of episodes 
um, like in Excelsis Deo, which is one of the best episodes ever. That's the one where, you know, what I'm talking about where, uh, um, Toby gets the uh, call from the, from Lance Reddick because, uh, a veteran who bought a, I guess, got a coat from the Salvation Army. It had, it had Toby's business card in that's it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing episode. Um, I've seen that one. I don't even know how many times and two cathedrals. Uh, I've seen, uh, a gazillion times. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, the, the second time that I watched it all the way through, I was frankly unemployed. I was, um, living kind of on your hours, except I was doing it, um, by drinking maybe a bit too much, uh, alone at night. I'm not always alone sometimes with my, my girlfriend, then my, my then girlfriend. Um, but like, even in that state of just like wanting to veg out on the couch and have a couple of beers and watch a few episodes of the West Wing before I went to sleep, I still felt like I was engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no point, no matter how, my my brain doesn't shut down to the point where I'm going to put on Batman and Robin, <laughs> you know, that like, or, or, or like, uh, or transformers. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and again, those are both movies that I'd never finished watching. Oh, I didn't even pick yeah. transformers for that reason. Those are, but it's... those are the two movies in my life that I have started and quit on. I have mm-hmm. otherwise always seen a movie through. I always figured no matter how much I hate it, it's not that big a time commitment unless it's mysteries of Lisbon. Um, but uh those are the only two movies i've ever just shut off um and yeah so that's what i'm saying there's 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 no point i can get to where i can justify watching a movie that's that dumb so Mm -hmm. i still think my brain is working it just maybe isn't like as uh uh, being as confronted. I I mean, I I still think that films like filmmakers like, uh, Michael Haneke. Yeah. Um, or again, Pasolini, people like that are, uh, Abel Ferrara as well. Like people who are kind of like confronting you and like forcing you to be at the top of your attention at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's okay to not want to engage in that sometimes when you're tired. Okay. It doesn't mean you're watching dumb stuff. There's nothing dumb about Moneyball. I mean, I have some problems with it, but it's not right. dumb. And yeah, and I'm I guess to think of anything I thought was dumb in Moneyball. Well, you just don't like baseball. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's the dumbest of all the sports. Uh, you've told That's me off off no, mic. Yeah, uh, what I say. I'm, I'm a different. This is kind of a character I do on mic. <laughs> the guy who likes baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange defining characteristic for uh, for this character. Um, yeah, and I guess it's uh, I don't know these are, these are the things that I that I question, and I recognize that it's sort of navel gazing. But I feel like if if I'm going to call myself a critic, that I need to understand my my instincts uh, to watch something that I've watched you know a million times before, and mm-hmm. and why am I returning to it, and am I there are pl- you know there are plenty of great movies that i haven't seen out there that i know are going to require more of me uh-huh. it's like well i could do that or i could throw in all uh, all the president's men again uh-huh. you know and uh yeah but your like your idea of a popcorn film is still like most people's idea of <laughs> work yes of a, I, of a prestigious movie okay i do understand that but uh but either way like regardless of of the um the pedigree of, of the movies that, that I find rewatchable. Um, you know, it's, 
I do, I do question that instinct of, you know, because for me, starting a movie at mid, you know, for other people, starting a movie at midnight is like I start one at like 5 a.m., which I very seldom do. Mm-hmm. But if I were to start a movie at, say, 2 a.m., I'm going to be awake for several more hours and I'm wide awake. I could probably watch something more challenging, but I often, but I often don't. Even if it was challenging when I first saw it, I have now digested it enough that I feel like, for lack of a better term, I sort of get it. Even if there's more to get, and every time I, there are some movies, every time I watch, I'm like, oh, like I just see another thing. I think most movies that I really like, I see something new almost every time. Yeah. Um, so okay. But, uh, so we, we've uh, perhaps we've just dissected that enough. Yeah, because the there's time another being. thing that I want to talk about in okay. terms of uh, rewatchability. Um, uh, I think some movies going back to Bellatar, like very deliberately feel as long or longer than they are, mm-hmm. and that's that's part of the approach, and that's yeah, that's not good or bad, but I think that that hurts the rewatchability because I think. What you often want when you're rewatching is something to like, uh, in a way, almost kill the time, uh, I, I guess. Or you know, yeah. you're like, uh, I've got a couple hours before I'm gonna go to sleep again. You know, um, uh, and so I feel like something that envelops you and moves you along. And I think that's probably a big thing with Sorkin. Is it's like, um, it's rich with dialogue that is pleasant to the ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it moves, you know, um, especially when he's got a director like, like Bennett, uh, Bennett Miller, is Mm -hmm. that his name? Or, or, or David Fincher or some of the better, um, West Wing directors like Thomas Schlamme. Um, uh, you know, those kind of movies. And that's why, uh, Coen Brothers movies, even the bleak ones like No Country for Old Men, I could watch it eight times yeah. this week. I, 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 can, I can always watch that movie mm-hmm. because it sort of picks you up and carries you along to its finish. Well, the word you're, you're, you're uh, thinking of is transport. Like it, transport, it transports you to like another, even if it's a reality very similar to our, to our own. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, through editing, like it, it cuts out all the boring bits. I'm sorry uh-huh. to put it in, in those terms. Yeah. Whereas a movie like say, all the boring and awkward bits, even if there's awkwardness in the film or suspense, or even if you know it lingers on a shot, uh, you know it it keeps what's interesting. It keeps it keeps all the elements of why you're watching this in the first place. Whereas something like you know uh, I wa- I rewatched uh, Werkmeister Harmonies probably a year and a half ago, and um, there's you know there's several shots that go on a very long time uh and one that sticks out is there's a mob of people marching silently down the street and the camera follows them for what is pro- what feels like 10 minutes it's probably closer to 5 but even uh-huh. but i mean 5 minutes yeah, it's kind of like the, can in, feel like um, 10 tarkovsky solaris there's like the shot that is just like i think it's i haven't seen it so long i think the camera's in the car looking at the windshield and it's just mm-hmm. driving on the freeway for five minutes. And that's, and that is definitely a choice by the director to really put you in this, mm-hmm. in this situation where you're, you're relating to these characters and you'll find it with, uh, with, um, 
I'm sorry to keep going back to Cassavetes, but that is something that he prided himself on is this idea of, of other movies will cut away when things start getting awkward. To me, that's where the vulnerability is and that's where the humanity comes out. So I'm mm-hmm. going to stay where any other filmmaker would be like, okay, I think I'm done with this. Um, and we already get, you know, the theory is we already get enough of that in our life. We want, we, we watch movies to be transported to something other than what we've just gone through. Uh, however, there are still, and so, and that, and maybe that's, sorry to bring this back up, but maybe that that's in saying what I've just said, it's really just a much more verbose way of saying what I've so often heard from my mom, from people uh, in high school, just, it's just like, I just watch movies to, you know, get away from my crappy life. You know, I don't want to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've just basically said that same thing. You know, I want to be, uh, my instinct is to want to be transported. And so I might not return on a regular basis to movies that don't. Now, if I'm feeling, you know, if I want to justify that position, then I will say, well, I've at least seen those movies in the first place and have seen them a few times. Mm. So I, it's not like I will never watch them in the first place and will never rewatch them. But uh, I don't know. Do you, does does that sound about right? That maybe the movies we return to, I mean, Die Hard, jo- Die Hard for you, mm-hmm. Jaws for me, they take you to a different type yeah. of story than, than the one you're living. But the, the best... Um, movies that take you, transport you to another world or whatever. It isn't about. I mean, I guess on one, on one, on the one hand, it is about escape. Escape, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, it's sort of the best ones of those, like sort of Trojan horse in, like Insight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we uh, keep paying attention to those videos, Battleship Retention video uh, review shows coming up in a couple weeks. We've got one. Uh, of Richard Linklater's Bernie, mm-hmm. which is a movie I watched probably 85% of with a big old grin on my face. Oh, yeah. Um, because it does. It, it takes you to this uh, small town, the small Texas town that's almost like the ideal like small town you'd want to live in. People know each other. You know, There's like local color, and uh, uh, people have these funny southern things they say, you mm-hmm. know, that dog don't hunt and stuff like that. <laughs> More than that. There's there's actually better ones than that. Yeah. Um, uh, but someone actually does say that dog, like a real person, that has interviews <laughs> with people who, because it's like a fiction film, or it's a fictionalized film based on yeah. a true story, but then it also has interviews with the actual people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, but you come away with it, um, I think if you've been paying attention with... Um, some insight or at least something to think about about um human nature and uh the nature of uh community and why we are a i guess pack animal if you, if you not not pack animal uh herd animal like okay. we have a herd mentality like right. why we group together like why primates group together uh, i mean at least that's what i got out of out of bernie but you'll hear me talk about that more on the on the episode stay tuned uh so i i guess i'm still Maybe I'm being too defensive, like about what I watch at this this proverbial midnight hour that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't think there's anything in that to be 
ashamed of. of. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and I don't mean to say that I'm ashamed of it, but like when I, when I ask myself these questions, you know, one thing that I try to return to is, am I being hypocritical? Am I, am I doing, am I doing what the people that I often condemn, am I doing what they do, but because I have, you know, training and I'm slightly better with words, I'm able to weave this uh, tapestry of, you know, justification. Um, so I, I ask myself uh, those questions. And I, and I think maybe f- for me, I know that I've said this uh, on the, uh, the other episode that we did about um, movies that we watch over and over. I think that sometimes it's, it's that I like spending, and this I can go to, to Sorkin, certainly, in the same way that you will return to Friends, not the show Friends, although the, the, that too, sure. Yeah, um, I like Friends. I don't care for it. But, uh, you know, there's a reason that your friends are your friends. You don't just hang out with someone new every time you hang out with someone. You return <laughs> to people because you know them and you like spending time with them. And in that, in that same way, uh, you know, I'll go back to Jaws. I like spending time with Martin Brody and Matt Hooper and Quint, whose first name is apparently Sam, which is uh, off-putting. Is it in the book? No, it's only ever Quint in the book, in the movie, but then on IMDb it says Sam Quint. And it's just it's, it's, it's weird, off-putting. I don't like it. And so um, I like spending time with those characters. I like spending time in Amity. Um, and so uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's that. And you know, Lord knows, uh, even when I met my most critical of Sorkin as a writer, who maybe is a bit too clever at times, he still creates amazing characters that I love spending time with. Um, even if I don't like them personally, like they're well, they're, they're well developed and I feel like I know them. And so, uh, I don't know, just that's, and maybe that, you know what, maybe that's why to go to, to TV, I, people have told me like, what, what is it about law and order <laughs> that, uh, that makes you return to it? Because it really is just the same episode as far as structure. It's the same episode over hey, and over. I watched eight seasons of CSI. I know. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But you develop a fondness for the characters who, who come back. And that's why there are some seasons of law and order I like and one, and some that I don't because, Oh, well the, te- the detectives have changed and I, these guys I don't like as much as the other guys. And, I don't know, as so often is the case with me uh, and the movies that I like, I mean, a lot of it can boil down to character and then seeing the world through their eyes. Um, I don't know, you, you start to appreciate the world they're living in because they are choosing to live in it and you like them. Um, I don't know, but that, but I'm sure there are other, there are other things as well. For me, maybe it it just boils down to, to characters that I enjoy spending time with, like their old friends. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably a good place to, to wrap it up. Okay. Fair Um, enough. Uh, I will say this, there needs to be a ravenous Blu-ray. Oh yeah. That, uh, there might have been a newer DVD version than the one that you and I have, um, but we have our own copies. We don't share one. Right. We don't. We live in separate apartments. Yes. That's. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> you have no idea how many guests come over and they just assume we live together. Because why yeah. else would we be doing this yeah. podcast together? It's weird. Like that is really weird. Yeah. That they assume that. 
Oh well, at, at our at our age, at our advanced <laughs> age. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was telling you I watched Ravenous again uh, last week, and it was the first time I had watched my DVD since I got the HD TV, and it really just showed how how shitty looking that DVD is. It was it's kind of a shame. Hmm. Um, like yeah, they got to do a Blu-ray of Tremors, by the way. Like that, to my knowledge, there's only been one DVD of which it, I have. It's old. Yeah, and, and it's we both grainy and that one too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of, but like, I mean, grainy can be a good thing, but like, like noise. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just clearly, it's like you're watching a widescreen VHS, VHS copy. Yeah, that's exactly what Ravenous looked like. It was a shame. Uh, but yeah, Criterion, get on Ravenous, get on I it. Know. It would be so awesome. There's there's more than enough to justify a Criterion release of Ravenous. I yeah. think. Yeah. And I can. Oh, and I bet the cover would be great. <laughs> Oh yeah, I wonder if anyone's done like a because uh, there's like those fake Criterion like uh, yeah. I, I wonder if anyone's done a ravenous one. I actually uh, for about a minute and a half I entertained the idea of doing a uh, a fake Criterion cover for Tremors, mm-hmm. but uh, so I threw like the DVD in my computer and I was going to do a screen capture because I had it totally in mind what I wanted to do, uh, and then it's like oh it won't let me screen ca- for trademark reasons and uh copyright reasons um it won't let you do a, a screen grab of a dvd huh. and uh now there are, there is software that you can download in order to do that and that's when i stopped because <laughs> it's just like i've got enough to do in my life if i download this i'm gonna i've got more stuff to do now uh-huh. and i won't stop so i need to stop myself before i get involved in this um now uh i've been sitting here trying to think half listening to you and half thinking what would I put on my fake ravenous criterion cover mm-hmm. and I think maybe just the close up of Neil McDonough's face with that like half smile on it oh. and, his, and, and, and his eyes looking up at, at, at Guy Pierce, and that will lead us into our next week's yeah, episode that, that is creepy which, as hell which we are recording uh, immediately after this so um, you can find us at battleshippretension.com where you can read reviews of such films as Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I've said Huntsman the whole episode. It was, it was killing me to say it right the whole episode, but I'm trying to show my respect for the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also other reviews. And you can find links to What the Fuck Are You Watching and hopefully some other uh, podcasts that will be uh, you know, throwing in their lot with the BP fleet. Um, right. you can email us at uh, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com follow me on twitter at the pretension follow tyler on twitter at more lessons which is the official twitter of his other podcast more than one lesson which you can find in more than one lesson.com and you can find me at my other podcast the weekly television review show previously on that's at previously on show.com uh, and uh, is that it uh, I did want to talk about our videos very yeah, briefly. Watch them. Uh, there's a new. They're so good. I'm very proud of them. Uh, although not proud of that that uh, view count. Yeah. So get on it, uh, watchers. But um, and actually, the one that comes out uh, this week is about uh, the Bobcat Goldthwait film "God Bless America," GBA. which is a uh, perfectly fine uh, episode. Uh, I'm not pleased with my own performance in it seen it cut together yet i know but i remember no i think you're just you're misremembering because that's what you do 
I guess I don't know. Yeah. I, I remembered uh, that Avengers one pretty uh, pretty well, and uh, <laughs> and sure enough, and I and so we've so there's a, a new episode in which we discuss Dark Shadows, and we have uh, the King of TV Paul Goebel on. There's a new episode where we talk about the Avengers, and we have actor comedian Paul Rust on. And then uh, this week's episode will be about God Bless America, and we will have podcaster Pat Francis on to uh, to talk about uh, vigilantes in, in film. So uh, very exciting, very exciting stuff. Yes. Uh, so check that out at BattleshipRetention.com or on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay tuned for... Um, or stay tuned for next week's episode, mm-hmm. where you'll find out why Neil McDonough's creepy face ties into the topic. Indeed. So thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.